When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from Lighthouse Hockey and the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me via Zencaster on this Sunday evening is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, it's a cliche, but I think it's apt. This week for the Islanders, we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, three games, one of each, uh, getting progressively worse <laughs> from uh, what, what it started out as. And uh, I'm still not really over Saturday's loss to Buffalo. There was... A lot that that disturbed me that we'll get into, despite it being only the fourth game of the season. Um, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on it as well. But uh, what do you think? Good, the bad, and the ugly this week? Or uh, Yeah, or maybe it's a little harsh. Maybe, maybe it's like the good, <laughs> the good, the bad, and the like exciting. I don't know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm really encouraged by uh, the first four games, considering how the schedule is set up. I didn't go to bed sad yet, (laughs) (laughs) which is taking a, I was mad, but I went to bed mad Saturday night, but not sad yet. And and there's a a huge difference uh, between being a sports fan, going to bed mad and sad. Like if you're sad, it means that you just watch the team fall to two and four on the season. And the Colorado Avalanche, Carolina Hurricanes, and New York Rangers are waiting for you, and the season's basically <laughs> over. And you know this was your prove it season to prove that the COVID season was an outlier. Um, I, I distinctly remember after those six game first six games last year, going to bed sad and thinking that wow, I can't believe the season's already over. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas that Sabres game, I went to bed mad. Uh, but there's a couple of things. One. Another cliche to throw out there is I think if someone offered you the two one and one start, you would have probably bit their hand off for it, <laughs> especially with the way like the league's kind of setting up here in the first few weeks. It seems like a lot of teams suck uh, <laughs> are, 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 are sucking out of the gate. Connor McDavid's hurt. Right. Uh, the light lightning uh, are yeah. playing weird stuff. The hurricanes, the hurricanes are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the 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 Hurricanes rate this radio guy who I know. Um, I texted him last night. I was like, "What the hell is going on down there?" He goes, I, "There's a good chance we stink." Like I'm, and I'm not, and he's very very optimistic all the time. Very very much a sees the uh, world through Hurricanes colored gl- glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Islanders are kind of just being the Islanders, <laughs> steadfast two one and one. I think 
most people in the league probably haven't watched them yet. Maybe they watched them Friday night because there's only two games on, and they wanted to watch the the, the fun, exciting Devils who went undefeated in the preseason for each. Uh, <laughs> so they and the Islanders happened to be the supporting actor in that film. Um, so for the for most people, they 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 probably haven't watched much of the Islanders, and they see two one and one and say, yeah, that makes sense, and that's fine. Like mm. just keep trudging along keep going to one and one in these four game samples. Um, we can def we'll get into the, the other stuff, uh, the, the, the good, the bad and the ugly, like you said, because there definitely was a lot of mm. different things. Um, but I will say, a what you'll hear a lot from the first couple weeks of the season is, have we really learned anything about this team yet? <laughs> and I think for like 30, maybe 30 teams in the NHL, we haven't. Whereas for the Sharks, we, we learned that, yeah, they're probably as bad as we thought. Uh, and then the other team I think we actually learned a lot about was was the Islanders. Because um, mm. through these first four games, just, just to like rattle it off before we expand on these things, we learned that Bowie Horvat is, in fact, very good. Mm. The Angval-Nelson-Palmieri line is awesome still. Matt Barzell is a winger. It works. Like we, we learned a, the goaltending obviously is still splendid. There, I think we learned a lot of things that we needed to, to hear uh, or to see with our own eyes, just to, to kind of um, validate our hypotheses as Islander fans. Cause we were trying to tell people like, no, 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 this, this line is unbelievable. This Bowie Horvat guy, he, he didn't forget how to play hockey. He like all this stuff, and and I think we also learned some some of the bad stuff too. I think we learned that 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 third line needs to the formula needs to be figured out. Um, we learned that Samuel Bolduc still is having trouble playing for the Islanders, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, and, and that you know this team is just going to have duds every now and then, and uh, they certainly did on Saturday. Yeah, um, I'm actually kind of surprised that. You're taking uh, like the glass half full approach because I, I was expecting you to be like, yeah, the season is over, like that. <laughs> yeah, I think well, that's the thing, right? Like, like mm. that goal by Horvat against the Devils, yeah, changes everything. If the Islanders go two and two after those yeah. first two games, we're having a very different conversation. But the reality <laughs> is, they got a point out of that game. And I walked into, I actually woke up the morning that morning Friday. I went to the game uh, against the Devils, but I woke up. And the first thought in my mind was, man, if the Islanders just if the Islanders just get a point out of this one, mm. the weeks of success, a uh, success. And um, maybe they thought that too. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they, they no showed in Buffalo. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, before we dive further into this reminder that you can get ad free episodes of Islanders anxiety, plus bonus content at patreoncom slash Islanders anxiety plan. Start as low as two bucks a month. Uh, this week, we're going to have our uh, country club atmosphere episode going up on Wednesday. where. Mike talks about how he ended up backstage at the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. So you're not going to want to miss bonus stuff like that. So sign up at patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety today. Uh, yeah, you know, that that game, I thought the Devils game, the ending sucked. And we'll talk about that at length in a second. But uh, I thought the importance of that game was in that they just didn't quit. They were very resilient. And they, you know, were kind of skating uphill the whole time. But it was nice to see it an Islanders team that just didn't want to give up. And, and every time the Devils scored, the Islanders came roaring right back, which is, you know, a hallmark of a team that we saw not long ago, you know, that made two uh, semifinals in the playoffs. Um, 
before let, let's I'll give you the choice. What game would you want to start with? We have the one nothing win over the Coyotes on Tuesday, the five four overtime loss to the Devils on Friday, and then the three one loss uh, in Buffalo on Saturday. That was mostly a three zero loss. But which of those games would you rather talk about first? <laughs> uh, let's we could go. I think we can go chronologically because I I think okay. that's that's the way that this week kind of. Yeah. It sounds stupid to say it like this, but the way this week kind of played out, I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah. Um, because I do, th- I still think that that devil's performance was a bit of a crescendo mm. for their start. And then obviously the, it was a peak and then a very quick valley. <laughs> yeah. Very quick. All right. So we'll start with the one, nothing win over the uh, coyotes on Tuesday. Uh, it's been said before, but now's our turn. You know, one nothing really doesn't give the indication of what that game was like. The Islanders basically dominated the entire game from start to finish. At one point, shots were twenty four to seven Islanders after two periods. Uh, you know, the Coyotes did push a little bit, but the Islanders didn't really give them a whole lot. Uh, Barzell scored a beautiful power play goal from Noah Dobson, and you know that kind of goal gets scored a dozen or so times from every other team in the league. But for the Islanders, that was like. <laughs> wow, they can do that too. How about that? It works, you know? And and so they get, you know, what you sh- want to see out of your top power play unit. And Ilya Sorokin made 14 saves in the shutout. And you might call this the, the Marty Brodeur special. Like this was, you know, how many how many 14 save shutouts did Marty Brodeur have in his career? You know, uh, a lot. Everybody was excellent. And again, don't let the score fool you. Uh, Karol Vamelka was very, very good for the Coyotes. And he, he, was, he stood on his head very much. But uh, boy, that, that was... That game was great, and that was Sorokin's 17th shutout in his NHL career. He's not played very many games, folks, as you know. I don't have it in front of me, but Rob Rob Taub had a, a great tweet. I don't know who asked him, like, you know, what do you think about climbing the <laughs> ranks? He's now passed Rick DiPietro for third all-time on the team shutout list, and he was said, I don't care about this. <laughs> but, he, <laughs> but he said it in a way that was like, this is not – I'm not yeah. concerned about it. This isn't my priority. I just, you know, I'm, I'm out here making the saves and doing my job. So – uh, again, the fact that he's already third on the team shutout list is insane. The fact that Chico Resch has held the team shutout title for over 40 years is also insane. Chico, again, one of the most underrated Islanders of all time. But uh, this was a great game. And this was as vintage Islanders as you can get. You could, you may have even convinced me that Barry Trotz was behind the bench. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. So uh, were you at this game? And uh, was, what, what yeah. were your thoughts on it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I didn't think they were going to score. I think I texted you, and <laughs> yes. then they scored that second. So yeah, uh, I yeah, I mean that game was incredible. Like it, it should have. I think a fair score of that game was maybe three or four nothing. Yeah, uh, Vishmelka was awesome. He's really good. Uh, yeah. I think the secret's probably out on him. Yeah, uh, being a really good goalie. He's a little like an even better Tommy Salo who was yeah. a good goalie on some really, really bad teams. But Vimelka is, is even better than he is. Like, if he ends up on a really good team, look out. Because they're going to be Yeah, he, he's <laughs> any, his, like, his equipment and his um, kind of style is reminds me a bit of uh, Nikolai Habibulin, too, yeah. a former Coyote. So mm-hmm. maybe that's just because it, the two played for the same team and are, he's wearing the Kachina jersey. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, t- tip of the cap to him. Tip of the cap to Sorokin because – I would say the four, at least four of the 14 saves were yeah. pretty incredible, uh, including uh, a lot late in the game when the Islanders were at one nothing. And, and it's, it's it tells you 
how stupid sports are that had the Islanders allowed the Coyotes to score late and they got a point out of that game. Um, we'd be sitting here talking about like, ah, mm. you know, even if they had won the devil's game, be like, Oh, what a squandered opportunity. But yeah. just because the way things shake out, getting the point against the devils uh, matters a lot more and, and the, the opponent. Um, but I was so impressed with that game against the Coyotes. I thought it was really well coached. Um, yeah. Because they were without Scott Mayfield, who's day to day, which in Islanders language means <laughs> we might see him again this season, or he might have he might have torn his ACL like like when Oliver we'll Washington was day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah I I thought everybody was so good. Um, Horvat Barzell, the second line again. You know, Noah Dobson um, covered himself. He, he got yes. he was suddenly embroiled in some controversy <laughs> on Islanders Twitter there for the week and. Um, since since he he, he i can't I, it's uh, maybe we just know these guys too well that we've been saying forever that he's playing like he's got his phone in his pocket for <laughs> the last you know eight, eight months or so um and then he put his phone away it, he left his phone in his locker it seemed like by deleting twitter <laughs> and he's had a couple solid games like yeah. the he he's had his a mistake here or there against uh, the Coyotes and Savers and Devils, but they're for, fewer and far between. They're not the the team's not like set up in the the power play. They're moving the puck around well, and then all of a sudden he he passes it to uh, you know Jesper Bratt kind of mistakes. It's it's diff- <laughs> like he's he looks much he looks like he's on the right path. So yeah, Noah, yeah. whatever you know, whatever happened that night, we we forgive you as long as you keep playing like this. Keep that cell phone. In in the in the locker, uh, you could check it after the game. Uh, we promise, and um, nothing nothing will change. If if there's something really important that you need to know, somebody will let you know. In, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, on the in the locker room right. in the intermissions or something. Uh, but yeah, I thought to a man, everybody in that game was really really good. The fo- I was so impressed with the fourth line in the first yeah. three games as well, uh, and I'm we you hear so many times about players that need bounce back seasons. And usually it's Alex to break it, a guy who's scored 40 goals. And then he scored, you know, 22. <laughs> and then he's like a star in the league or right. uh, even Austin Matthews. People are calling his season last year, even though he scored 40, uh, a down year. Um, play, you know, star players are usually the ones that needed bounce back seasons. The, the Cal Clutterbuck has been, I think really good. Uh, I haven't looked at any stats because why would you really look at expected goals numbers <laughs> through four games when one like yesterday's game against the Sabres is going to tank everybody's numbers but that even even if players had three good games but they just were the ice was so tilted against them in one game it's going to skew everything um so it's you you it is much more pencil and paper uh stuff right now and uh I think the fourth line has been really good uh so like tip of the cap to them and Ryan Pollock I think's been awesome I think Romano has been pretty good I, I just I left that Coyotes game thinking, uh, is did everybody get better? Because yeah. that's what it felt like. Except you can make the the argument of the third for the third line, but everybody else and like did most of this team just get better? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that was a that was a really good game. Uh, Dobson was really good, and it was like you watched thinking this is 
the almost peak version of this team. Everybody was really working hard, making things go. And, and you know, if it wasn't for Vimelka's heroics, uh, like you said, it would have been, he could have been easily three or four, nothing just in the first two periods. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so it was, it was a fun game to watch. And, you know, we, as Islanders fans, we like one, nothing games. Like yeah. we, this is our element. We eat this stuff for breakfast and people might look at the score and be like, Oh God, Coyotes Islanders, one, nothing. Oh God. I'm not going to go revisit that one. But for us, man, that game was like a party. Like that was just, <laughs> that was the perfect game for us. We love it. And, you know, give me, sign me up for 82 more of those. I'd love it. Uh, <laughs> so that led into, so the Islanders are 2-0. and Great. All right. So now here come the New Jersey Devils. That was the uh, first 2-0 and start since 2014-15. Which, yeah, which was a that's crazy season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, hard. Like most teams just accidentally start 2-0 and because <laughs> maybe they catch other teams in like weird schedule spots or right. whatever. It's really hard not to start a season two and zero for, or only do it once in in basically a decade. <laughs> yeah, I wonder when. Which I think it leads to a lot of the the overwhelming optimism yeah. after that game. Right. I wonder when the previous two and zero start was before that fourteen fifteen season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably nineteen ninety. Right. Oh one oh two. Yeah. That yeah. Exactly. Like- <laughs> oh yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, probably was. But uh, so yeah, there was a lot of optimism. Uh, the Devils were coming in Friday. They had struggled a little bit. They lost. I don't know two three in a row, something like that. Of course, every team has played. You know, six games at this point, except for the Islanders, who only played two, which is another funny subplot. But here come the Devils, and um, this was a game again. Resilient is the the way I describe this game because every time the Devils scored and they started to take with control early the islanders would come back so um the islanders killed off a penalty uh uh nelson puts the islanders up one nothing sorokin makes a bunch of six saves on on jack hughes and jesper bratt this is what's going to annoy me the most about losing this game is that hopefully people don't i hope we still see highlights of this because these were insane saves. I mean, there was a there was a pad save too later on. Uh, the the glove save on Hughes and he was by himself. Like these are amazing save, probably save of the year kind of things in the, in the third game of the season. But then it also begs the question: Where the hell are all the defense when Jack Hughes is by himself in the slot? But that's a different different uh, question. Uh, Dougie Hamilton tied the game, and then Casey Zizekas is going through another one of his phases where he takes five penalties a game. I don't know what's he did this a couple of years ago. I don't know what's going on with Casey. You know, he keeps looking around like I didn't do anything. <laughs> so it's like he's out here trying to play aggressively, but takes a penalty. Tyler to cat at the end of the first period, Tyler to catches in immediately in the second period, but then Nelson tied it with a second goal of the game. Then Luke Hughes untied it with a power play goal. The, the Islanders gave up four power play goals in this, which Andrew gross mentioned, and he's probably right. Uh, this is going to mess up their power play percentage, their, their penalty game percentage all year. Uh, just because they gave up four power play goals in the same uh, same game, which is ridiculous. Oh uh, yeah, Sorokin made a sliding pad save on Nathan Bastion, which was is equally as insane as the other two saves. Um, uh, Horvat tied the game with his first of the year. Uh, he loves shooting off the side of the net, man. Nobody's better at a right angle than Bo Horvat. It's pretty crazy. Uh, banks it in into uh, uh, Akira Schmidt's net. So they're going into. Um, uh, the third period down three, two. And you're like, okay, that's pretty cool. Hughes gets an easy power play goal. I mean, what are we even doing out here? This was probably the, the Nadir of the game for me, but like you said, Horvat ties the game with a minute 14 left. Nelson had a couple of spectacular chances in that third period. The Islanders kind of outplayed the devils in the fourth period, uh, and, uh, really pushed hard. And it was Horvat who got it in. Um, there was big, 
big scrum in front of the net, but Horvat was there and it was great. Love to see two goal game for Bo Horvat. They go to overtime and the Islanders have a couple of chances early and then they just give Jack Hughes all the room in the world. And he just, he just whips one past Sorokin and makes him look kind of like a chump and it's five, four devils. And it went from being this very exciting, very fun back and forth, you know, again, resilient game from the Islanders to being like, are you f-ing kidding me? Really? Seriously? <laughs> like, come on. Uh, and that left, I mean, a bad taste doesn't even really cover it. And like you, I couldn't even go to sleep for a while. I ended up watching a bunch of other stuff. I was just so mad. I couldn't even because like, I, I get you don't want to be too aggressive, especially in overtime, but like to just wait for the guy to just, you know, rocket a wrist shot past your goalie is a little bit much. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. What, what are we doing out here? But hugely disappointing end to what had been a really fun game. And and Sorokin was great. Don't let the four goals against fool you. He was fantastic. He made 33 saves in that game. And, you know, the Islanders defense wasn't as good as it should have been. But uh, fun game, but very sloppy from the Islanders' point of view. But you give him credit for for coming back every once in a while and, and you know, trying trying to get the win. Although they just sort of let Jack Hughes take it at the end, which is very nice. Four points for him in that game. So, uh, yeah. I mean, what was it like in the building? I can't even. It must have been like yeah. somebody let the air out of the tires. Uh, at the no, end. I, I. It was. It was. I think actually, over like very positive of walking yeah. out of there. It was. Most people were pretty happy. I, I was. It felt closer to a win than a loss. It didn't. You know, wasn't the. It wasn't the crazy atmosphere it would be if they had won and Maxine Nightingale was playing right. But um, <laughs> I think that. There was so much more good to take from that game than there was bad. Starting with Sorokin. We're going to talk about Sorokin so much this season that I don't even want to spend time on it. Yeah. I meant to say uh, off the bat that the two guys we should avoid talking about this entire time are Sorokin and Varlamov, who are, was fantastic in the Sabres game. Both of these yeah. guys were terrific. Neither of these losses are on them. <laughs> even again, that, you know, with that Jack Hughes goal. So they were both fantastic. And uh, we'll get, we'll, to me, uh, seeing Varlamov in that Sabres game was like, welcome back, Semyon Varlamov. Like, it felt good. Yeah, he was awesome. Back. Yeah, it was great. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we can put Sorokin on the side. Um, he was clearly the story in that game. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 reason I was so encouraged by it was, first of all, with, with Bowie Horvat, the, those are two goals. Those are goal scorer goals. Yeah. And I don't think it wasn't lost on a lot of people. A couple people pointed out to me and I was joking with it around about it too, that his first goal, which was definitely going to be the only Martin Horvat from Martin and, and Dobson <laughs> goal that we'll probably ever see um, that great play by Dobson. Once again, cell phone, keep it in the locker. Um, mm. He, he fakes the, the shot and makes a pass to Horvat. Who's like you said, is it a, a tough angle? And who's who's in like the trigger spot, but Simon Holmstrom hmm. and Dobson had enough wherewithal to compute. All right. Who's got a better chance of scoring here on a good pass? Hmm. Simon Holmstrom from a good, good angle or Bo Horvat from a shitty angle. And he chose <laughs> the right. He made the right choice, which is Horvat. <laughs> um, that's a goal scorer's goal. And so was his second one. Which I think something the Islanders have miss been missing for since since their uh, captain before Anders Lee was they they haven't had a guy who's really good at at picking the puck out of a scrum and then depositing it. Uh, and Horvat's really good at that. He's good at like locating the puck, 
knowing exactly where to put that puck to either uh, create more chaos and someone else will score or score himself. And that showed in uh, in the game tying goal, which, you know, Kyle Palmieri, credit to him too, he flings it at the net. There's a lot of, there's just a kerfuffle there in the front, uh, falls to Horvat, and he he wired that. If you watch that back, like he, you, you could see, not only is he skating hard at, on like the zone entry, but uh, he's he um, he really wires that into the chaos, and it ends up in the net. Um, and he he scored a goal like that against the Penguins last year yes. from like a very tough angle. Yeah, and, and uh, similarly, just like fired right, just rifled it. And, and Tristan Jari did what Trist- Tristan Jari does, <laughs> lets the Islanders score goals, and uh, Islanders are celebrating, but. Him, that that was one of the, you know, like I said, there's a lot more good than bad. That was another thing. Uh, that was the first thing on my list. Uh, the way he played with Barzell was great. That second line was cooking all night. Uh, they were just too much for the Devils to handle at times. Hmm. And that overtime, like Barzell, you said, he, he could have won. He he made a good move there on, on yeah. Schmidt, and he just missed the five hole. Yeah. And on the goal, like when they turned the puck over, Engvall was... He's getting the puck out and he <laughs> fell. Like that was probably a, it looked like that was a good chance. It was like a yeah. It was the end of a shift, so who knows how it turns, but uh it was going to be an odd man rush and he mm. fell. Um Corvette yeah. so also had a chance to shovel the puck in. Yeah. Uh, in overtime as well after I think a Barzell rebound as well. So So yeah. yeah, there was I mean there was just a lot to like there, especially after yeah. a 2-0 start. You walk out of a three-game homestand with 5 out of 6 points. For the most part, the Islanders had played two bad periods, and they, they didn't let up a five-on-five five goal that entire night. Yes, and yes. that's both encouraging and discouraging, of course. But <laughs> I, I, I thought the the penalties, the two penalties on Pelic and the two penalties on Sezikis looked like they were legit. And then the the call on Angval, I was a little confused with because mm. they weren't really. They seemed to be letting stuff go all night like that, and then. Uh, they called him in a pivotal time and mm. the Islanders continued to not to be the only team in the NHL that can never kill off those penalties that straddle intermissions. <laughs> like it feels like the Islanders never score yeah. on them, but they always give them up. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know, like the, we, the stuff we needed to see, which was the, the chemistry between Horvat and Barzell and Horvat looks really dangerous. Like yeah. I underestimated the, the, the way that guy could skate. He's such a powerful skater. He's he's faster, I think, than I thought, and he skates with authority. Um, and I've I've just loved the way that that those first two lines have been playing. Uh, even, uh, even with Holmstrom being scratched, I think that was more of a let's uh, let's get let's see what where Wallstrom's legs are at this point. We kind of can take a little bit of a. I mean, if you want to call it a risk, we could mm. take a risk because we're two zero and one, and obviously it didn't pan out but uh I, I think that the top six has been really good the third line definitely needs some work and the fourth line's been good so we, we these things are are all in the pros section uh mm. and the con section is so much shorter um <laughs> it, it definitely it, it got flipped a little bit on saturday night but because of the way the islanders had played uh that performance didn't eat me up while it was happening of course you're like you're you're pissed you're like yeah <laughs> This looks like garbage. What are you yeah. guys doing? But afterwards, you, you when I took like a deep breath and uh, 
saw the Penguins lose to the Blues. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I think we're we're actually doing all right. Yeah, yeah, uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, in, in, within the game, it was it was kind of I don't know, I, I don't know. It's just it's hard it just, to watch. It was, and and again, just the way I don't know the look on Hughes's face just really. That really honk me off as uh, as you know yeah. one might say it's just and I think we also you walk out of that building three and oh you beat the devils mm. you you might start to hear people say like wow man the islanders are yeah turning some heads and instead it was you know the island you won't hear anything about the islanders and then they lose on right. Saturday night so nobody's gonna give them a second thought yet right well that's the thing that drives me the craziest and I know it shouldn't but it does is that this was a huge weekend for the haters. This was the weekend or the week, really, where every you know complaint about the Islanders that has been levied at them from all over the hockey world came to fruition, to realization. You know, one nothing win. Okay, who cares? They you know suck against uh, or they lose to everybody's golden boy Devils team, Jack Hughes and the Devils, uh, and their goaltending can't bail them out. And then on Saturday, three one loss to Buffalo, they lose to another golden boy team. And they look absolutely terrible. Uh, they look slow. They look disjointed. Yes, it's the other half of a back-to-back. But not long ago, this team used to own these games. And that I know it's the same. They're a couple of years older, but this is the same roster. And this was not a team that looked like it was prepared to play on a second of back-to-back. And I, my only note here is disjointed garbage. Two worthless power plays. <laughs> but Simeon Varlamov was great. And through two periods, most you know, through half the game, it was nothing, nothing. But then again, Casey Middlestad is allowed to just walk through the slot, passes to Jeff Skinner, Skinner who scores, makes it look easy. Two and a half minutes later, Victor Olson wrist shot, and it's two nothing Sabres in the blink of an eye. And they're looking very slow. They're looking very sloppy, and frankly, playing very stupid. Uh, then they open the Sabres open the third period with Nick Cousins after Sam Bolduc gave the puck away to him. They the Islanders never mounted any sort of defense. I mean, I know it's three nothing, but like you can try. <laughs> And then the the one goal they got, like just floated in. No Dobson's shot hit somebody in the shoulder. Connor Clifton in the shoulder, kind of fluttered around in the air and just landed behind Eric Comrie. And I want to pause here for a minute to say that I sent you and our group chat at eleven thirty that morning. Eric Comrie shut out incoming. Those were my exact words because he had been announced as the starter because uh, Devin Levi is hurt now, and this man came within a minute and a half of actually shutting out the Islanders in that game. Again. And you never would have heard the end of it from me. had that Again. <laughs> do you remember he, he shut out the Islanders last yes. year? Uh, <laughs> do you remember what happened right before that game? No. He let up 10. <laughs> he let up 10 goals. And the Sabres, in, a, yeah. in what was a huge game yeah. in the Islanders' playoff push, they come to the to UBS Arena. They beat the Islanders 1 or 2 nothing, But it was basically 1-0 because it was 0-0 yeah. until like the 6 minute uh or 14 minute mark of the third period and who scored kyle posa yeah and uh they walk out of there with their first win on long island in in forever and it you want to talk about everybody's <laughs> golden child that that game yeah. i just remember being like i'm i'm going to make myself listen to uh the sports net radio stuff because mm. they're all going to talk about how huge this win was for the sabers and stuff yeah. and they did yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think so. Just back now, let's fast forward to present day, losing to mm. this, to Eric Comrie. Um, it was a really bad spot for the Islanders. Like, so, in as a 
someone who bets on on hockey all the time, that was the type of spot you have circled. And you're like, um, yeah, the Sabers the Sabers are going to be a good bet tonight. The Islanders are having a good start. That like they're people you could sell high on the Islanders a little bit here. Plus they're traveling on a back to back. They played a crazy game against the Devils. Uh, the Sabers are going to be a very desperate team. They're waiting for them at home. Uh, this is it. It it was the the quintessential. This team has every excuse. Yeah. Now you can't make you can't cash that in in the fourth game of the season. <laughs> you can't. You like if if this was game sixty two, and the Islanders were cruising. You know they're they're comfortably at least in the playoffs in a playoff spot. We'd be totally okay with it. Yeah. But when it's this spot, it, it becomes a little more upsetting just because we're four games in. This is the fourth game of season. You guys all lived through last year. You had to f- have Peter Morazic bail your asses out to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know, every point is going to matter. That's why that devil's point is so important too. Like you put that one in the pocket and you run out of there and you get on the plane, you fly to Buffalo and you do everything you can to, to get another one. Uh, mm. And they, they, they were so flat. Ugh. I thought, thought the first period was okay too. I, I was more encouraged with the way they played in the first period than discouraged because of the spot. I'm like, mm. if I was a Sabres fan after that first intermission or in that first intermission, I'd be like, I can't believe we, we haven't, we don't have this, these guys over a barrel right now. Yeah, I guess um, that's true. And and then the Islanders just handed it to to them yeah. in a second. And what there's there's a couple of things that were really frustrating. One, like like I said, the Sabres weren't it's gonna be the more desperate team. Had the Islanders won that game in regulation and put the Sabres at one and four. Yeah. My oh, God. I, it would have been a lot of fun. It yeah. would have been so much fun. Um <laughs> and now we're, we're like you said, we're it's you lose to two golden childs in a row and yeah. It's 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 going to be annoying, and I I don't want to like put put anything on the too many of the the players because I think it was just such a flat effort from everybody. But the the one or two, I guess the two guys you you have to call out, or three that you have to call out are Bolduke. Like my man just needs to stop passing it to the other team. <laughs> I I don't know if I've ever seen a defenseman that mm. creates a turnover on his own, no pressure on him, just errant passes. I, he's he's clearly you know got some sort of like the yips, like very nervous mm. or something in his own zone trying to make that breakout pass. Because uh, we saw it during the playoffs and during the stretch run last year, and then the other two were the were Gautier and more importantly Wallstrom, who yeah. I don't know how, and maybe he's just catching up to game speed, whatever, if you want to say that, but how on earth does Oliver Wallstrom come into that game and not be noticeable in any way? You just took the words out of my mouth, because this is what I've been stewing about for, you know, 24 hours now or whatever it is. And it's the same exact thing that you were going to say. Like, I I thought Lane was 100% right in putting... Wallstrom and Julian Gauthier into the lineup for Simon Holmstrom and Hudson Fashing. However, those two guys have played before Fashing hasn't looked that great so far this year. It's okay. Like it's a back-to-back. He even said it's a back-to-back situation. Want to get those guys in, get them playing speed. Great. 
the fact that those two guys, more so Wallstrom, obviously, than Gautier, but the fact that those two guys were absolutely invisible, <laughs> for save for a couple of moments, there was a shift there in the third period. They, of course, they had to highlight it on MSG because that was the only the highlight they had was, you know, uh, uh, Horvat, Barzell, and uh, Wallstrom kind of whacking at the puck around the net. Uh, these guys were totally invisible. If you told me Gautier didn't play that night, I would have totally believed you because aside from he had a shot at a breakaway, and like you said, your boy Bolduke hit somebody with a pass. It wasn't him, though, so it didn't go anywhere. But, uh, yeah, Wallstrom, he after getting hurt and coming into the the – Post game, you know, postseason kind of, uh, you know, breakout day kind of stuff. Talking about how it's given him this new perspective, and he's going to come in more. He looked like he could have played right then, like he could have ready. He was ready to restart the season right then and there, while everybody else was, you know, throwing their stuff into garbage bags and going home for the summer. And then coming back and being like, you know, I, I've been working hard and I, I'm more focused than ever. I want, you know, that injury was the best thing that ever happened to me because now I know, you know, what I need to do and I'm, I'm ready to hit the ground running. To come and play like that is just. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't, I don't understand. He should have been the best player on the ice. And I get that, you know, yeah, maybe he, you know, wasn't quite up to, to game speed because he had been hurt for a while. I understand that. But, like, he should have been the best player on the ice. Valamov was by far the best Islander on the ice that night. He made 40 saves, and he deserved a lot better. But, boy, you got to – and, and it wasn't like he was playing – like, Gautier at least was playing with Pajot and on the third line. I guess Lee was there for most of it. Then he got swapped out. Somebody else was there. Like – Wallstrom got played put on the line with with Bo- Horvat and Barzell. Yeah, yeah. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you need to be shot out of a cannon that game. You you need to be so keyed up. But you you should be like the Tasmanian Devil out there. I don't understand. <laughs> but he just wasn't, and he just was completely invisible. And like you know, had they lost, and he had taken eight shots and looked like you know he he was you know waited this mo- all these months to come play that game, you would have been like, well, at least that's that. See, that would have been encouraging to me. That would have been like, okay, they lost, it sucked, but like the fact that Wallstrom looked great would have been fantastic, but instead he looked, he was invisible. Like some of the, at least some of the other guys at least tried, you know, they just, he just, I don't know if he was barely, it was like, he was barely there. And it's like, I want, we want this guy to succeed. We want him to be a key cog in this team's evolution, but man, I don't know. You, you can't have asked for a silver platter better than this game. And he just, he just dropped it. Like, I just don't know what to, what to say. It's, and where, did, where does he go from here? If he plays right. against Colorado on Tuesday, and we're going to talk all about those games on the, on the second half here. If he plays that same way against Colorado on Tuesday, I, I don't know where they go with this guy anymore. Like, I just, I just don't. Like, I don't know what what it's going to take to get through to him. Yeah, and the, you want to uh, always be careful with like. Yeah, it was just one game. It was just one game. But with, I'm trying very hard not to overreact, <laughs> even though it sounds I don't like think, I, I don't end. really think that it's <laughs> it's it's unfair in this instance. Like, if Pierre Engvall had this game on the season mm. opener, be like, yeah, whatever. The guy was great last year. Right. He's probably just waiting his way into the new season. Mm. Or if Kyle Palmieri did, uh, same thing. Even, hell, if, if Sebastian Ajo was right. not great against the Sabres in his first game of the season, you, 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 you give him the benefit of the doubt because the guy was really good for the Islanders, a very effective player for them last year. And and by the way, I think Ajo has been really good too. He has been, for sure. Um, but for this, for in this case, you I think it's fair to kind of just be baffled mm. more than anything, because uh, you're 
your career's kind of on the line, not to, <laughs> to overstate it, I guess. You signed your qualifying offer. You're, you've yet to really cash in on a ton of talent. This guy's got a great shot. Maybe the second best on the season on the team besides uh, Nelson, who's just God. I love that man so much. Mm. Uh, yeah, that those the goals against uh, the first goal against the Devils, where he's like skating down on Akira Schmidt, and it was just one of those instances where you're like, oh, Brock's got the puck skating down on the wing. You could basically turn around to everyone in the section and see if anybody needs anything <laughs> from the concession stand. I'll, I'll catch you guys for the yes, yes, yes part of this because right. I know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, he's just the best. Um, like they're the the over the course of an eighty two game season, the Islanders are going to need a player with Oliver Wallstrom's skill set because mm. people are going to get hurt and they're going to need someone who's got a who who can score who could score on without warning who can create his own shot and get it off and he's dangerous from basically anywhere on the ice because even if he doesn't score, he's got a hard enough deadly enough shot that it's creating a rebound or whatever. And we just haven't seen it since yeah. the second week of last season. He had that great game against Chicago, maybe it was. Uh, I don't even know if that was last season or the season before. No, uh, I think it was last season. He had he had like a really good game against the the Blackhawks on national television. Mm. And since then, it's just been he's just been bad. Yeah, he's been Kiefer Bellozzi. Yeah, been like Mike, Michael Dow Cole. It's just like this, yeah, but at least Dal Cole could play D. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and oh, yeah, Dal Cole wasn't didn't doesn't have like the the toolsy stuff that right. both Bellows and and Wallstrom mm-hmm. have, and I think that Wallstrom is a little bit better all over the ice than Bellows was, so maybe it's a little unfair. But the point is, like, you run out of chances, and you you can't sure you can't overreact to to one game for most players, but. I don't think it's overreacting. It's just being honest saying that this guy is, is squandering his, his opportunities because he's very, it's very important that, that Oliver Wallstrom is contributes to this team. And if he doesn't, then they need to figure out who another person in that spot that can be that, uh, you know, backup to the, you know, Kyle Palmieri's of the team, et cetera. So yeah, it's, it's just frustrating. No, it is. It you know you again. We want this guy to succeed. We we need him, like you said. I mean, if if he becomes like a heavy shooting, just rifleman sniping goals, then the Islanders' entire outlook changes. And to be honest, they not that they'll admit this, but I wonder if the team is sort of waiting for that to happen because they need that. They need something there. And again, Horvat and, and Barzell seem to be creating some sort of chemistry together, but in all the games that he's played with Barzell, Wallstrom has had n- zero chemistry with, with yeah. at all, which is fair. Like maybe they just don't work well together. That's okay. But like, then where is he going to work? And, you know, like you said, the third line hasn't really worked. Lee got moved up to the line with, with uh, Barzell and Horvat and he doesn't really work there either, but you know, Lee's been around, like he knows how to contribute, even if he's not doing something, although his foot speed is really, I mean, I, I love Anders the person, but watching him skate in that game against the Sabres was, was not fun. And, and you know, Lee's is his thing is standing in front of the net. And when he's not doing that, yeah, you know, what is he doing? Yeah, he, I he, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to judge him yet on this yeah. season because I think that yeah. him and Pajot both, both should almost just be put to the side. 
and think he could also was, end up with 25 goals still and we would never you know right, like, yeah, exactly like, yeah. and 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 just the the third line clearly like you're not going to break up Horvat and Barzell you're not going to break up the the second best line. second right. line in hockey and you're not going to break up the best fourth line in hockey right now right. like you got to just let those things go and and hope that the third line just doesn't cost you a game and mm. uh, I think that Pajot and, and Lee are both professional enough to to, re, to to realize that so yeah. and fashing as well like they're not gonna get the, the islanders in too much trouble out there so um yeah. it's not a big deal but with uh I, I perhaps adding to the frustration with wallstrom is let's say the islanders put him on waivers tomorrow hmm. we'll do a, a quick q a would you think that that would be a horrible thing i mean i don't know if he would get claimed if that's what you're asking. No, no, just I was gonna say, do you do you think like do you think the Islanders would almost have a reason to like would you think that would be like send Lou to the you know to the out to pasture? I mean, it, it would be a little early. Like again, if he, if if the game against Colorado was the same as the one against Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's gonna play Colorado. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so either. So they got Colorado, yeah. Ottawa, and, and Columbus coming up. But if if any one of those games is a repeat of the game against the Sabres, I think they would have a good reason to to send him down. And and they could always be like, I wonder if they could send him down for like conditioning. Oh, well, you know, he needs conditioning down yeah. in Bridgeport. Yeah, but we'll I, figure I, out a way. Yeah. But, but like, don't forget his Bridgeport time was not good either. So like, I don't know. I don't know if that would, you know, it's a tough question to answer. Like, do yeah. I think it would well, make sense? Well that, yeah, but I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's what I was getting. Like, I think it, like the Islanders would be well within their rights to do it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, the second part of that question I was going to ask was how do you think that the rest of Islanders and then hockey Twitter would react? Oh, oh there we go again. Yeah. Oh. Islanders kick giving up on young players. How did they react yeah. when Kiefer Bellows got put on? Right. Yeah, so, and what's yeah, he Kiefer been doing Bellows. since? Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, so, and this isn't, he's not a young player anymore. No, he's not, he's not, you know, Cal Odelius or, I mean, he, neither is Bolduc. Yeah, really. I know yeah, defense. Yeah, yeah. Like these, this. I think what Wallstrom was twenty. He was same draft as Dobson. Yeah. Like, just think about that. Noah right. Dobson has played oh, two hundred NHL games at least. Mm. More than that, maybe he's closing mm. in on three. Like, why? Why would it be? I'm, and I don't think that they should do it. But I'm just saying, like, should, should they do that tomorrow? If tomorrow we wake up and you see the Islanders have waived Oliver Wallstrom or traded Oliver Wallstrom to, uh, to the predators for a fourth round pick. <laughs> like I think everyone would lose their shit, but yeah. Uh, you, I don't think that's warranted. Like the guy, no. the guy clearly has talent, but yeah. here's what he's, he's done. He scored in 2021 that, that shortened season, he scored 12 goals in 44 games, which was not bad. And then he, he I thought that was probably his best season. He scored 13 in 73 the next game, the next season. Yeah. And then he scored seven in 35. And the next was always scoring one every five games. Yeah. Uh, that's just not, that's not going to cut it. That's, that's less, no. that's like 16 goals, 18 goals a, yeah. a season. He, he is, a, there is more expected of him. You know, yeah. fair or not, there is more expected of him. And like the, this whole conversation reminds me that the Predator, I mean, the uh, Blue Jackets just lost. Liam Foudy to the Predators, who they drafted first. They drafted 18th overall in 2018. So yeah, same, it, same draft. It, it, it's something you know. that happens. 
It's like, yeah. and everyone's every the 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 reason people freak out about it is because the reaction on on hockey Twitter is, uh, there's a. Uh, Rat Martin always sends me every time Alex Barre Boulet is on waivers. Uh, some some <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs writer yeah. is like, if, if the Buffalo Sabres don't claim Alex Barre right. Boulet, they should be relegated. Right. <laughs> and yeah. that was like four years ago, and he's been on waivers ten times yeah. since. Like first rounders, Julian Gauthier is a first round pick. Yeah, like these these guys right. go on. This happens. This a lot. Happened, this happened every time they put Josh Hosang on waivers. It was the same right. thing. You know, like it was just. You know, three. Oh, my team's going to pick up. No, you're not. They're not going to pick him up. You know, yeah. I mean, Foudy, again, as I'm looking at 90 games played with the Blue Jackets over the last five years, seven goals, 12 assists, 19 right. points, 19 points in 90 games. I think they they were well within their rights. We've given the Blue Jackets a lot of grief already this season, and they were well within their rights to put this man on waivers, you know, as harsh as that may sound. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I Wallstrom, mean, Wallstrom he's six, on that same six, track, basically. 16 goals per, per 82 games for Wallstrom mm-hmm. right now. So like. And yeah. thirty a thirty point player on average yeah. over eighty two games if you take his career numbers. Yeah. And once again, th- th- he he he's caught some bad breaks. Yeah. Well the injury but, didn't help, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. But he's still I mean, we've seen hundred and sixty two games of him and right. we kinda know the player now. It's it's disappointing and yeah. it sucks because he's fun, he's exciting. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great shot. Definitely has a skill set the Islanders are crying out for if he puts it together. But you know, mm. sixteen goals and thirty points a season—that's uh, frankly like that's worse than Anthony Beauvillier, right? Like that's, that's <laughs> oh yeah, not, for sure. Yeah, that's not a that's not a second line player on a team that no. has a mm. playoff aspirations. So yeah, it's a it's a rough situation. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it just gets to what I was saying on Twitter, which is that, uh, this team just simply cannot manufacture meaningful, consistent offense on a regular basis. It just can't. And, and that's, that's a problem for the entire team. But you know, when you're there, you know, and you're the fresh legs guy, right. That's the other thing, right? Like you're the fresh, he was them and him and Gautier were the fresh legs guy. And, and I think you can actually make more of an excuse for, for Gautier than Hmm. Wallstrom too. You made a good point. Like he was on the third line. Yeah. And it's also his first regular season game for the right. for a new team, and, I think. and it's just not expected of him. Like, right? You know, yeah, it, you know, had he, I don't know, did he if he got didn't get scored on? Maybe it's okay, but like you know, still he, he was he was pretty invisible. But yeah, Wallstrom, you know, again, fair or not, a lot is expected of him, and he has yeah. yet to come through. And he's yeah, still has I mean, time, he's, but he's getting losing it. He's losing his spot to Simon Holmstrom. Like we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about uh, Wallstrom, right. Wallstrom yeah. uh, being a thirty point player over his. Mm-hmm. 162 you know game that's two seasons right 100 yeah. basically yeah. so uh and then i mean yeah simon holmstrom i mean he, if he gets to 30 points in a season hmm. we're gonna throw a parade like he already yeah. lost his spot to hudson fashion last yeah. year basically yeah. so i mean is, and you know, right yeah. this is so, this is guy not, playing the sabers and 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 coyotes but he comes to the islanders and he's an all-star so yeah Whew. all right yeah i didn't i didn't expect this but uh that game yeah, definitely played, and that that to me was the most disturbing aspect of that Sabres game was just how yeah. invisible uh, Wallstrom was. Okay, exactly. yeah, that's why I'm not. I like the result is is only going to be disturbing mm. if the Islanders. This this going to be a tough week coming up. Yes, uh, this, this the Sabres. How I feel about the Sabres loss really is dependent on how these next three games go. Mm. I think, and I think that's 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 a fair assessment of the team because they're. 
they had a good start to the season. They're two one and one. Yeah. I think everybody would be really satisfied with that. Yeah. Um, but if they, knowing that they've got the Avalanche, who, by the way, have won 15 straight road games or 16 straight, whatever yeah. it was. 5-0 and oh right now. <laughs> yeah, they're 5-0 and oh right now. They're coming into to UBS <laughs> Arena to take on Sam Bolduc. Uh, this is a... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like then the Sabres loss all of a sudden can start to become an issue if they, they, they struggle to pick up points over these next three games. But uh, yeah. the most concerning thing about it was that Wall Street yeah. performance because it was just discouraging more than anything because you like you keep saying we we want this guy to succeed and we don't want to see the Islanders lose him for nothing he was an 11th overall pick but mm. geez man <laughs> you gotta help yourself pal okay uh we're gonna take a break and we're gonna look at those three tough games then we're gonna look at uh the NHL not putting itself in a place to get actually watched by human beings and then we will have another episode of Master Leaf Theater, all on the other side. So meet us over there. Thanks. And now a word from our sponsors. First is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, jerseys, mugs, and more featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor and the Island merch, and our portion of the sales always go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code ANXIETY20 to save 20% off an order of two items. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. They offer a rosé, a Pinot Grigio, and a Pinot Noir that was named a 2022 Top 100 Best Buy by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. All are delicious, priced at less than $15 a bottle, and available at local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Learn more at thepinoproject.com. Please drink responsibly. Okay, so the Islanders have three games coming up this week. Uh, we talked a little bit about them a second ago. On Tuesday at 8, uh, they have the Avalanche. Why it's an 8 o'clock start at UBS Arena, nobody knows. But maybe it's a Colorado time zone thing. Because every, every team is playing on Tuesday and they're going to do this sort of NHL red zone thing. We're going to talk about that again in a second. So that's probably something to do with that, but uh, that's Tuesday is the avalanche uh, Thursday, the 26th at seven 30 are the Ottawa senators also at UBS arena. And then on Saturday at seven o'clock, they are in Columbus place. The Islanders have won like what once in the last 20 years uh, to take on the blue jackets. Uh, obviously the pressing concern here is the avalanche. Mike said they've won 15, Road games in a row. They're five and zero this season, looking very much again like the uh, Stanley Cup chance from a couple of years ago. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. The last year's game against the Avalanche looked like a tough one, and the Islanders won it. As scary as the Avalanche are, and this is by no means a scientific observation, it would be very funny for them to lose their first game of the season against the Islanders at UBS Arena after they're coming off of two straight losses, uh, one in which they they barely showed up. So. Uh, I'm going to hold on to that hope, but it ain't much. Uh, the Senators lo- are looking pretty good this year. I watched the game against the Red Wings on Saturday in which they were all excited for the return of Alex Debrinkit to the uh, Air- uh, American- Canadian Tire Center, and everybody was going to be mad, and he got some polite booing, and that was it. And I was like, you people are lightweights. I have I, been to my daughter's dance recitals that were more hostile than this environment right here. You guys, you need a lot, you got a lot to learn about, you know, making a hostile environment for a former player who didn't want to stay. Uh, but the Senators, you know, they lost the game, but 
they are very fast. They're very skilled. They're very young. And that could be a tough one for the Islanders too. And then there's the Blue Jackets who never pose much of a threat unless they're playing at home in which the Islanders never win. So uh, this is going to be a tough week. Uh, you know, if the Islanders, again, if they, if they take four out of these six points, I'll take it. Even three, I think, depending yeah. on how they work out, will be okay. But uh, that Avalanche game, man, I don't know. Yeah. Could get ugly. <laughs> yeah, that, that Avalanche game is terrifying for right. the main reason being, should they lose that game in regulation? And if they get pumped in regulation too, mm. that Senators game is must all of a sudden a yes. must win, right? Yes, like, exactly. like that's the terror. Like, it's almost, it's almost akin to a two goal lead late mm. in the game. You know, six minutes left. Islanders up two nothing on, on uh, the Penguins. And you're so scared of that goal because yeah. you don't want it. You already feel shitty enough white knuckling through a two goal lead with five minutes left. That <laughs> should they score and make you white knuckle through a one goal lead with four minutes left, uh, it's going to make you sick. So yeah. that's uh, that's what's a little nerve wracking here about uh, Tuesday night. Now they get a win against the Avalanche, some like they did last year. Did mm. they beat them twice last year? Uh, they have a crazy game in Colorado. I remember when I was over uh, in England for the darts, they had a wild, they lost to the Coyotes while I was on the flight. And I almost wanted to just to ask them to open the door and let me just jump into the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> while they were losing the game. Um, but uh, I I remember that vividly. And then I know that they played a couple of games that I, you know, I couldn't mm. stay up for them. I just like woke up yeah. in the middle of the night over there. And they like, lost the one uh, in a shootout. One nothing, basically. They right. Lost. So yeah, that was, was in Colorado. But then right. they won in October. Yeah, uh, you remember that one? They, they that was the comeback. Yes. Game. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, they they played them pretty well. The Islanders do some some things that kind of jive with beating teams like Colorado. Like they're just going to clog up the middle of the ice, and teams like Colorado just want to zing around all mm-hmm. all game. And uh, when they play teams like the Islanders that sit back, it's can get a little frustrating so who knows yeah uh, but the, it's it's a it's a really a crossroads game the islanders are either going to walk us down a path of really having a couple pressure filled days uh leading into that senators game or um you win that Colorado that avalanche game and you get mm. a point or two out of those next two obviously you want as many as possible but it's another week in the books where you've banked three or four points uh, and the Islanders are sitting after seven games um, with you know nine points or whatever ten points. Mm. You feel pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a terrifying one. We're we're I pr- I can promise you that the whoever's broadcasting the game for this ESPN thing uh, <laughs> w- won't won't bring up the Devon Taves extension and all, all that junk. Uh, yeah, we know trade yeah. sucked. Right. You get it, yeah. man. It was three years ago. Yeah. Do people keep bringing up like the Brandon Hagel trade for the, the right. Lightning and the Blackhawks? My favorite thing about the Taves thing was when people were like, does he hold any ill will towards the Islanders for trading him? Why on God's green earth would he have any <laughs> ill will towards Lou or the Islanders for trading him to Colorado where he plays on an excellent team next to the best defenseman in the league? What? Why would he be mad? I don't understand. Like, it's just nonsense. It's just yeah. That kind of garbage is just so stupid. 
But uh, yeah, I was going to say the best thing it's about the only, this week- it's the only bad trade that's happened in the NHL in the last 10 years, <laughs> apparently. Yep. No, that's true. That's true. You can go back and, and look it up. No bad trade. Every other, only, tra- every other trade was just, you know, right. balance scale. Yeah. Even. <laughs> Nick Felino was worth the, the eight draft picks that the, <laughs> the, the Maple Leafs gave up for him for right. sure. Cause he wore that hat. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, and, and Matt Murray has worked out beautifully for the Oh, yeah, yeah. Leafs Matt Murray well. trade was a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, the, I was going to say the best thing about this week is that they're only playing against two Golden Child uh, franchises in the Avalanche and Senators. And then the Blue Jackets, that Saturday night Blue Jackets game against the Island is going to be like tree falling in the woods level stuff, you yeah. know, so <laughs> it's not, I'm not too worried about it. But, but don't forget the last time the Islanders played in Columbus was the Kent Johnson-Michigan uh, game, and his <sighs> yeah. game has completely dried up since then, too. He was on... He was on weight. No, he was like healthy scratch the opener and stuff like that. So uh, he'll, he'll come back. He'll probably have a hat trick in that game, but uh, yeah, you know, I I mean, listen, I, I never, I look at the schedule and I think the Islanders are going to go 0 and 82 every year. So I do think they can get points out of here. The senators were primed for a big game against Detroit and fell flat on their faces. So, I mean, it can't happen, you know? So, and that was with Eunice Corposalo playing very well. So, uh, and then the blue jackets, again, that, that team is not, it's not good. <laughs> it really isn't. Roster wise, they're not good. And so theoretically, the Islanders should should be able to beat them pretty handily. But the uh, nationwide arena has never, ever, ever been kind to the Islanders. And so my hopes are not high. And uh, maybe I don't know the the Avalanche. You know, whenever a team like the Avalanche comes in, we've talked about this. I always look at what their schedule is. It's like, ooh, who are they playing the night before? They play are they in Jersey, are they in Philly, are they at the Garden? Nope, the Avalanche are just sitting around. So they, <laughs> no help there uh, yeah. on Tuesday night. Meanwhile, they, the Rangers are going to play the Oilers on Tuesday night, and the Oilers yep. won't have Connor McDavid, of, of yeah. course. So, uh, well, I'll, you know, he's out for one to two weeks with a uh, a uh, upper body injury. Let's just check out what's going on. Oh, look at that! November thirteenth at Edmonton, New York Islanders. Yep. So. There, it's going to be like uh, when Sidney Crosby, Crosby came yeah. back. Yeah, that is that's going to be your book it right now. I'm telling you right now, write this down. Yeah. That's going to be the Connor McDavid return game for the Oilers, and he's going to have probably five points in that game against the Islanders. I hope so. it's a, is that that's not a Saturday night, is it? Hockey night in Canada. Is it a, a, the 13th of November? Uh, no, it's a it is not. It's a Monday. So oh, okay, yeah, it's, so it's just start the week with right. it. Anyway. It'll just be a, a regional broadcast. Yeah. So, um, there you go. Well, <laughs> that's gonna suck but yeah. uh yeah um, i i don't know this this week ahead is is it's obviously scary because every every goddamn day of the season is scary yes. but uh it we won't know how scary it is until we get through that avalanche game because it, mm. it it could be like m night Shyamalan level scary pretty quickly here <laughs> or we could be you know sitting through uh a, a, like a a Wes Anderson film or something that's, that's right. as far away from scary as it can get. Mm. Winnie the Pooh. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like we, it's, it, we could be in, in a really good spot if, uh, yeah, they, they surprise some things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, if, if they, you know, play tough against the avalanche and lose and then beat the senators and, and blue jackets, I think we'll be pretty happy that way, you know? So yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I won't not be shitting there. myself all day yeah. Wednesday and Thursday, but, Right. Yeah. Then, then you after if they do beat the Senators after a good performance right. against Colorado and then a win against Ottawa, you're like, damn, this team, man. Right. Yeah. This team, this <laughs> or, team. or they take those first two home games and then they, you know, get no show in Columbus yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> like, you're like, All right, we're doing we're the same play. exact episode again <laughs> on Sunday, where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of good, but it ended right. on such a sour note that it's hard. Yeah. That would be kind of funny. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, okay. So you you mentioned Tuesday uh, being a, a big one, and that you know. Uh, 
a whole bunch of games being played. So ESPN is doing something new. They're calling it Frozen Frenzy. It's a, a whip around show, uh, apparently, where they're going to be covering every single game in the NHL. All 32 teams are all in action that night. Uh, I'm sure that if you, you know, partition out who's getting the amount of attention, the Islanders avalanche game will probably be getting the least amount, despite the avalanche being involved, obviously. Um, this is a great idea. And I think ESPN is probably going to punt and ruin the whole thing because they often do. Uh, I look forward to who is going to pretend to be asleep during the Islanders, uh, portions of the game. I look forward to John Butchacross yelling, non sequiturs that only he finds entertaining and thinking, you know, Steve Levy deserves better than this because he's the only one who's really, you know, cares about hockey here. So I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just in a bad mood, but um, you check it out. Maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe we're here next week saying, you know what? That was actually pretty cool. They should try that again. ESPN wants to do stuff, uh, but every single time they try it with the NHL, it just, I don't know. It falls flat on its face. I watched that game again on Saturday, the Detroit, Ottawa game and my Hulu app, which has ESPN plus kept crashing on me. At one point I had to back out and then back, back in. And by the time I came back in, not only was Detroit didn't do they had scored a goal, but it was a power play goal. I didn't see the power play. I didn't see the penalty and I didn't see the goal score (laughs) just because I had to back out and back and come back in. So, I mean, if this works and it ends up kind of being a bit like NHL red zone, what the NFL has, then that's great. But uh, my hopes are not high. Uh, given the previous product. Uh, Are you going to be watching Frozen Frenzy beginning at 8 p.m. on ESPN2 and running through 11 p.m.? That's it? Three hours? Yeah. Is that the best part? Is it's like uh, they're they're setting – there's a lot. There's a lot to get into on this. And uh, (laughs) we rag on ESPN a lot. I don't think we have yet this season, though. Um, But first of all, so this this came out that they were doing this in maybe July – and of course it was greeted with uh this is how you grow the game we've been calling for this you know this is awesome i can't wait to to gif every you know sebastian aho connor mcdavid nathan mckinnon zone entry for uh all these games and stuff like that um but <laughs> today i realized that uh the nba season starts on tuesday night so the the NHL does this thing. They great. It is a good idea. I'm not complaining about this at all. Like I think they should do stuff like this. I think if it was on a Saturday, I get that they didn't want to go up against college football yet, but you know, a Saturday in March or something when playoff races are going on, maybe like the day before the trade deadline or I don't know, something like that. But uh they they're doing this. It's a good idea. Tip of the cap. They no two games are starting at the same time. Once again, good job. Yeah. So they're obviously putting some serious marketing weight as much as the NHL and ESPN can with the NHL. Um, And they chose NBA opening night. (laughs) Right. What? I get. And and once again, these things aren't easy to do because you need. Right. All these. You need 16 buildings to be open. You need ESPN to not have any you know, contractual obligations with other stuff and uh, all sorts of things probably have to fall into place. So I get that it's there's probably very few dates to choose from on mm-hmm. the season, but it's NBA. Like, nobody, no, they weren't sitting around when they were planning this and being like, we got to make sure, yeah, uh, you know, that 
something else isn't going on that night. Hmm. You want to do it on a random NBA Tuesday? Absolutely. That's unavoidable, but hmm. it's, it is great that it's on NBA opening night. So no, nobody was going to be watching anyways, but now no, <laughs> no, nobody's going to be watching and which is great because hopefully the ratings come out. They're terrible. And John Bucci Gross is, <laughs> this is it for him. But, uh, <laughs> well, there's a reason it's on ESPN too. So every, every other channel is going to be devoted to the NBA. And I can promise you that ESPN's NBA coverage is not going to end promptly at 11 o'clock. Like it's, and it's not going to start at eight either. It's going to start probably all day. Yeah. And then, and whenever it needs to end and probably bleed into sports center or, stuff or, or there will be an NHL game on ESPN at eight o'clock. And there's just going to be a lot of NBA fans on Twitter being like, right. what the hell is a Kraken? <laughs> you know, <laughs> As always. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but. you know, maybe it, again, maybe it ends up being great and people will be like, you know what? That actually was surprisingly good. They did a good job. Um, but again, given how ESPN has broadcast this last season of games, uh, it's not high. Again, it's the same. It's the same product. It's not enticing. It's not entertaining. They have maybe two guys that are pretty good. Bob Schusen and Steve Levy are the only two guys that, that can call a game and sound like they know what they're talking about. The The intermission set, by the way, I don't know if it looked like this last year too, but it looks like it's the size of an airplane hangar. But there's only a desk and two guys at it. So what? What is? Why does it need to be this big? Why are, are we gonna like? We're gonna build a battleship in here? Like I don't understand what is happening. Why does it need to be, just make it small? I don't, it's just a t- desk with two guys. I don't understand what what's going yeah, on. But uh, something that my uh, boss Chad Millman, who worked at ESPN forever, told me once, and I've never forgot it. Um, is and and I think about this way with like the new. I don't know if you have the NHL app on your phone, but it's I do. It's terrible it's like absolutely update, terrible yeah yeah the update this year kicked it back like 14 years it's like yeah. like an app from 2008 it's very um, slow to ref- to refresh the yeah the, none of the scores are ever right weird. yeah right it's yeah. horrible it's hard to like go from swipe to a different day yeah i saw uh, the other day um oliver ekman larson had like two goals for the panthers at the same exact time like yeah. just, they doubled up the goals i was like wow good for him but anyway, um, stuff like that yeah, and and so my so what Chad told me once was that the people who produce sports TV mm. produce sports TV for other executive producers. <laughs> like they they are thinking about the sixty two year old guy from TNT who's mm. watching the the intermission show and being like, "Wow, that was great!" Just to get like that text message. Yeah, great job on the Charlie Charles Barkley segment. Uh, so. I've never forgotten those words because yeah. now when you sense. watch, yeah, when you watch them, you're like, wait, why the hell are they doing? This makes no sense. <laughs> like, oh, well, it's because the guy who's producing this doesn't watch sports. He's, yeah. you know, just trying to impress his his friends, his his mm. TV friends. Um, and I think that's similar with app developers a lot of times with, with yeah. sports. It's like they're mm. they're developing apps for other app developers or you know geniuses. I not- mean, I, I've played a lot of video games and been like, has anybody who made this game ever played a video game before? I don't understand why these <laughs> things, why it's asking me to do this. This is very strange, but yeah, yeah no, that yeah, makes exactly. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the person, the person trying to use the NHL app is, is Gord, you know, Dwight McNeilson from <laughs> Red Deal, Al- Deer, Alberta. Right. It's not some Silicon Valley guy who's like, wow, I really appreciate the sleekness of this app. Like, no, funny. they just want to know. They just want to know who scored for the Oilers. 
Right. <laughs> or, yeah, or exactly. Or hopefully, you know, looking and hoping that the Rangers lost, which is what I use the NHL app for, basically. But, yeah, it's true. So, but you know what? We'll we'll watch it, at least a little bit of it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't plan on watching too much of it because uh, I like the way Butch and Brendan and Shannon and obviously Thomas Hickey call Islanders games. But, uh, you know, maybe it'll be worth a shot in, in an intermission or something like that. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, speaking of hockey media, we had a great response to last week's Master Leaf Theater. And so, uh, I wasn't planning on doing another one, but then something fell into our laps and (laughs) it couldn't be ignored. And it was just such a perfect fodder for this. So we bring to you another installment of Master Leaf Theater. Okay, Mike, let me ask you a question. Did you know that Ryan Reeves now plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know, I, I do. And um, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of times with fourth liners, when they sign with, with a new team or mm. third pair defensemen or rookies who make the team out of camp, maybe con- concert pianist Fraser Minton comes to mind. <laughs> If you're a fan of another team, you you just won't realize it. I had no idea Dmitry Kulikov was back with the the Panthers. Neither did I. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, so players like that, you just yeah, you just won't know. Mm. But for for some reason, and I can't really figure out why, <laughs> I've heard a lot about fourth liner Ryan Reeves, who plays about eight minutes a game yeah. for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who um, you know barely use him, and he, and he he doesn't seem to be playing very well. No, he does not. But he had an interaction that uh, caused a lot of uh, media attention earlier this week. So the Leafs last week had three games. They won the last one, unfortunately. So it kind of makes this a little bit less funny. But their first game last week was against the Chicago Connor Bedards uh, in Toronto, and which was a big deal because the media guys all got their chance to talk to Bedard for the first time. And then Later on, on Thursday, they had a big matchup with the Florida Panthers, who had knocked them out of the playoffs last year. So it was a big grudge match, blah, 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 blah. Well, the Leafs lost both of those games, okay? But after, in the first game against Chicago, Reeves had an interaction with Corey Perry, another third-line player that you may have missed, is on Chicago now. (laughs) You know, there was a time when Corey Perry was a fantastic player, but those days are gone now. But anyway, uh, the Leafs would lose that game. Perry would go on to score the game-winning goal. But at one point, he and Reeves started shouting at each other from the benches. And I'm here to tell you, if you haven't already seen the clip, it's the dumbest thing you'll see all week. Basically, it's one guy yelling, oh, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. And the other guy going, what are you going to do about it? Nothing for like, you know, 20 seconds. And then they escape off. The- it's worthless. It's nothing. But of course, this was a huge thing. People saying Ryan Reeves getting in Corey Perry's face from what, 10 feet away on his on his own team's bench. How is that in his face? It was nonsense, but of course, it's the leaf, so there's a million articles about it. But this is from Sportsnet, not from Luke Fox Jukebox. We don't want to be bullying this man, so we're going to try and spread this around as long as we do these things. Um, But this is the entire article right now, and this is the exact kind of thing that was going around last week. So the title is Maple Leafs Reeves on Blackhawks Perry. Quote, he kind of acts tough. He's not tough. So this is post-game after the Leafs have lost the game. So it says... 
Toronto Maple Leafs forward Ryan Reeves exchanged some words and shoves with Chicago Blackhawks forward Corey Perry on Monday night. Turns out, Reeves isn't a big fan of the guy who scored the game winner for Chicago. Reeves, 36, said he started not liking Perry, 38, during the first game they ever played against each other early last decade. Why? Quote, just the way he runs his mouth. He kind of acts tough. He's not tough, Reeves said Wednesday. Reeves, of course, is known for playing the enforcer role. He has 129 points and 1,033 penalty minutes in 833 career games. Perry has also spent his fair share of time in the penalty box, 1,382 minutes, but he has 887 points in 1,261 career games. Perry is also a four-time All-Star. He won the Hart Trophy in 2011, the Stanley Cup as an Anaheim Duck in 2007, and captured Olympic gold with Canada in 2010 and 2014. None of that will change Reeves' opinion, though. Quote, I never really liked him, to be honest, he said. We always seem to kind of run into each other when we play against each other. Not a lot of love for that guy. Asked if Perry would drop the gloves with him, Reeves said, quote, definitely wouldn't. The Leafs and Blackhawks meet again November 24th in Chicago. That is your Master Leaf Theater for this week. In case you're wondering, that voice I use there was what I call people's court guy. You ever that you're watching people's court and they have that guy like yeah. the narrator. I don't yeah. know if it's the same guy or like multiple guys doing the same voice, but that's the voice I was going for right there. But this is just this is the basically this is exactly like Rocky, except everybody sucks and there's no story. Like there's two guys, two guys who are just you know whatever they don't like each other. Okay, who cares? Like, and this would be a nothing, nothing if not for the fact that this happened on Monday. The Leafs' next game was on Thursday, and so for three goddamn days, we had to get Ryan Reeves' analysis and discussion because of this, because he had some words with Corey Perry, the same words that everybody has in the league with everybody, including Corey Perry. But this was like front-page news because it happened with the Leafs and the Blackhawks and Bedard. Again, they lost that game and the next game. (laughs) That, That stuff, you know, kind of was secondary. And the fact that this went on for a week was just unbearable. And it wasn't until like Thursday. I'm like, okay, we need to do something about this. It's just, why? What? Like, what? Who cares? Who cares about any of this? <laughs> why is Ryan Reeves suddenly the most interesting man in hockey? I don't understand this. There's nothing interesting about this guy. He he gets signed by teams looking to get toughness. They realize after a year and a half they're not any tougher than they were before, and then they trade him to some other dumb team who needs toughness. Like it's just this goes on and on and on. It's just ridiculous. And like, and other guys get this treatment too. Pat Maroon got the most interesting man in hockey you know, treatment for a while because he was on a bunch of cup winners and good for him. But like these guys aren't, aren't nearly as interesting as we have to pretend like they are. I just don't get it. I just, I don't know. And to get, to hear a week of this was just, was absurd. So I don't know. Oh, I've been, yeah. I've been sitting on this it. for a while. <laughs> it's uh, I, I mean, I can think of last night, Rasmus Dahlin, I think he put a hit on Pajot. <laughs> was it and then like a couple of shifts later there's like a couple of little scrums mm. i'm sure that people were yelling at one another yeah matt martin Mar- matt martin spent a lot of the the devil's game yelling uh yeah. i think it was timo meyer i i would yeah. say I, they um, went the box together yeah at one point. yeah um 
could you imagine like th- this is going to be a, a a big part of a subplot of Master Leaf Theater is once again can you imagine Andrew Gross writing a sidebar story <laughs> about Matt Martin and Timo Meyer right jawing at each I, other from the benches yeah, no Matt Martin Matt Martin says that he hasn't played much against Timo Meyer but right really doesn't like the guy yeah if he if if Andrew Gross went to the people at Newsday saying I got I got to write the sidebar about Matt Martin and Timo Meyer they'd say Andrew's everything okay like yeah <laughs> You're gonna have to tell us who Timo Meyer is. Right. Is, like, was, was Matt Martin carjacked? What's 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 the story here? No, no, no. He, uh, these two guys were they were yelling at each other in the hockey game. Yeah. Like, oh, just like like the the high school game between you know Hicksville and and and, mm. and Sayville. Because I saw two kids yelling at each other in that hockey game too. We're not gonna write a story about it because it happens in any sport, every game. Uh, and even yeah, if. At, even if Gross did write an article about that, like a quick short sidebar thing, like nobody would care. Like it would just be like, oh, all right, whatever. Like it wouldn't be a week of discussion about this. So it just you know, imagine. Yeah. yeah. Imagine there was. I'd be right. so scared. Like know, are the yeah. Islanders of the, the Islanders are either in the Stanley Cup final mm. or there's something really wrong going here. And yeah. Um, yeah. Just, and and then there's the, I, the what's what's been enjoyable about. Ryan Reeves being on the Leafs is that so you have these guys writing these Ryan Reeves as the time person of the year <laughs> uh, <laughs> pieces, these op-eds about him. Uh, and then you have the most annoying people on hockey Twitter saying, mm. I just can't believe like how much run Ryan Reeves gets on online. Like this is so annoying. His expected mm. goals for is 32%. The Leafs are getting caved in when he's on the ice and he's only playing eight minutes. Why are we still talking about this guy? Why aren't we talking about Matthew Nyes or something like spending more time talking about the real play drivers on the team? Like you, well, you just spent three tweets talking about Ryan Reeves. So right. you're doing the same thing. So uh, that watching those people fall over themselves right. for without realizing that they are getting mad at the same things that we get mad at about yeah. every Toronto Maple Leaf. Right. It's like welcome uh, to our they, world. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you think it's <laughs> annoying to hear about Tyler Bertuzzi's missing teeth, even though the guy's been in the league for a decade and it's looked the same for a decade. And yeah. and you just are starting to hear about it like like it's a new thing now. Like he just joined the NHL from outer space. No, it's a <laughs> it's not this is not a, a one off thing with Ryan right. Reeves. This is you guys were talking about Easton Cowan and Fraser Mi- Fraser Mitten, by the way. We're going to need to wrap up the Fraser Mitten Master League <laughs> Theater because the man has been, I shouldn't say the man, he's 18 years old. The player has been terrible for, for them. Like if you listen to Real Kipper and Born, mm. uh, like Dan and I do, because we have a, we have problems yeah. uh, and it's a show about the Leafs and I listen to it anytime the Leafs lose or, or something bad happens. They, they've just been like, this guy can't keep up. He's not good. This is, this is a mistake. They need to just kind of get rid of him and, and end the experiment. Um, and the other folks uh, in the Leafs media spent a week and a half or the, the entirety of training camp mm. talking about how this guy was was basically on par with Connor Bedard. <laughs> and none of them are going to be like, huh, maybe this was our fault. Yeah. Like no. that this kid, everybody expected this kid to step onto NHL ice and just light it up. Maybe it was because I wrote this piece about him 
uh, and Morgan Riley and how much he loves the game uh, on on for the biggest media company in Toronto. Like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna take that on the chin. But yeah. um, and no, like just like they're not gonna be like, oh man, why are the Leafs struggling with Ryan and, and keep playing Ryan Reeves? Oh, maybe it's because you keep writing about this stuff. Like it's yeah. it. It's, it's it's good for us, I guess, because like you said, it's, it yeah. is it has been a very well received bit. Yes, it definitely yeah, people like very it. Sponsor, and... Very sponsorable too. If if if, if you want to go come out there and, and lump some money on <laughs> to be the, the the sponsors of Master Leaf Theater, maybe the Montreal mm. Canadiens want to sponsor Master Leaf Theater. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be very funny. Or uh, I don't know, like maybe uh, you know some. Uh, some uh not canadian tire but like you know pep boys or something like that could uh could uh, sponsor it but uh yeah uh i mean again we don't know how often we're gonna do this but when something crops up and makes itself available the way this has uh we're gonna do this and this was just i mean after the 72nd hour of this over the course of the week i was like why are we still talking why are we still hearing about this and the fact that other leafs people were saying that you know leafs fans that are again the most annoying people on twitter uh were, were wondering why it was getting still talked about is just uh that's just a chef's kiss right there because it's like no we don't want to hear ever about your team but we keep here on the nose yeah exactly but there you go well i mean they shouldn't have to worry because again a year from now he'll he'll get traded and you know some other team is looking for toughness and he'll he'll be there like he did with the i remember when when the rangers signed him i was like oh my god what are they gonna do now yeah and uh, oh wait they, uh before we move on and and, and i know that we're already <laughs> deep into this one and we say that every episode too is um and this is related to Master Leaf Theater. Mm. We have to congratulate the newest member of the Athletic, Chris Johnston. Yes. I mean, what yeah. a move. It's a Finally, huge move. Yeah. A blind spot for we've been saying all along that the Athletic has this <laughs> gaping blind spot in the in the NHL's biggest market. Like why yeah. aren't they why aren't they covering the biggest team in the league, the the biggest cash uh, mover in the league and now they finally have someone to to yeah. cover them toronto maple Leafs. yeah it's definitely because they were missing that leafs presence and so by getting johnston who has covered them for so long so uh, well that's, too that's a huge, yeah like, so very well. very down the middle unbiased stuff from, yeah. from cj over the years <laughs> and also yeah. very hinged he's he's yes. never on cj i mean yeah. we you can't ever call him unhinged i mean it's not like he was uh you know, a, a credible sort of all round reporter before John Tavares signed with the Leafs. And then afterwards, he basically broke into his mother's house, stole his pajamas that he took with <laughs> used for the picture and then wore them for the, has worn them underneath his clothes for the last six years. I don't know where I heard that, but uh, de- that's never. definitely not Chris Johnson. I just want to be, you know, it's no, uh, definitely Chris, not. Him. No, right. he's, he's so much more professional than that. Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, like, he would never. Not, not peddling cryptocurrencies. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. Yeah, he's not doing yeah. that kind of stuff. He's yeah. he's not trying to solve world crisis uh, yeah. on, on his by hockey running. podcast by running yeah. running marathons. Yeah. He's right. completely had very stable head on his shoulders when it comes yeah. to where Definitely. hockey f- and the Toronto Maple Leafs fit in the scheme of things in the world. Like it's it's yeah. weird. We're a speck in the universe, and uh, Chris yeah. does a really good job of uh, of conveying that. So yeah. yeah, congratulations to CJ. Well earned. I mean, come on, couldn't have happened to a, a, yeah. a more, uh, like a, a better, more intrepid, yeah. unbiased reporter. This is the kind of stuff that the athletic needs. So, mm. um, yeah. yeah. And uh, you, he's also pioneering. Yeah, to, hats off to CJ for also pioneering getting paid in something called Leafs coin. 
which is apparently some sort of digital uh, cryptocurrency <laughs> that he's, he of his own making. He actually got the athletic sign off on this. So very impressive. Very impressive. He's a, he's a real renaissance man. So there you go. Uh, okay. It is getting long. We're, we're getting to the 90 minute mark here. So we should probably wrap it up. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll come back next week with a look at those three games and uh, talk a little bit more about this frozen frenzy thing. Uh, don't forget to sign up at patreon.com slash Islanders anxiety for ad free episodes and bonus content. Follow us on Twitter at Isles Anxiety Pod. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and at Spotify, please. Our theme song is Morning Haze by Family Dinner. Somebody asked about that. Morning Haze by Family Dinner. They're great. Uh, listen to more of their music on Bandcamp and at Spotify. Also, relight House Hockey every single day for most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Islanders Anxiety Podcasts are part of the Fans First Sports Network. Find out more at fansfirstsports.com. Shop vintageicehockey.com. Try Wines from the Pinot Project. Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read and listen to his work at Action Network. Any final thoughts on the week that was? Uh, I thought it was good, bad, and ugly. You thought it was mostly good and <laughs> not, yeah. definitely not ugly. Yeah, good, good, bad, and resilient. I, I, I don't really know the best way to put it. But yeah, like I said, I'm the. It's it's really nice that the season hasn't ended yet, uh, as we are. <laughs> Through, through four games uh and it's this is a lot better than the second week went uh for the islanders last year the second episode we were it's basically in tears crying out for for lou lamarello to to make a move and to save me from myself um so to be here uh heading into our the third week of the nhl season and to not be in the fetal position is, is, is a good start, I guess. Um, and good point. yeah, I mean, there and, you go. like, so, yeah, yeah. And we got Bowie, Hor- Bowie Horvat and Brock Nelson, these guys, we love these guys. So, uh, as long as they keep yeah. playing well, uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel way too confident to, to be confident, I guess. <laughs> Feeling too confident to be confident. All right. I like it. We'll go with that. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week and uh, we'll see uh, what happens. Uh, after the Islanders' next three games. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.